0: Well, many of you may be wondering, now that we've finished our exposition of Malachi, where we're going next. Some of you have probably seen the emails that have gone forth, and you know where that is. That being said, let me answer that question with a statement. A local church will only thrive when it's grounded in what constitutes that church. Having said that, it's my intention, by the grace of God, to ensure that we, as a church body, Miriam Christian Chapel, are established in these essentials. For the next several weeks, we'll begin a series titled, Life in the Local Church. We'll have five messages in this series. It all begins with leadership. And in the next two weeks, we'll look at a proper biblical perspective for church leadership. We'll also examine the purpose of a local church. And that's extremely important in the midst of a culture that's constantly trying to redefine what that purpose is. And then our Lord himself has given the local church two ordinances in baptism and communion. And we need to examine these on a much closer, more detailed level in order that we might be practicing in obedience what our Lord has called of us. And finally, Lord willing, following that series, we'll begin an exposition of the book of 1 John which should take us through the remainder of this year and probably into a little bit of the beginning of next year too as well. And that letter should certainly serve as a tremendous manual for us in the fundamentals of the Christian faith. That's a little lay of the land, if you will, where we're going for the next several months. As for this morning, if you take your Bibles... And open them to 1 Peter chapter 5. We'll be looking at a variety of passages here this morning. But we'll look at one in particular as our centerpiece from 1 Peter chapter 5. The title, as you might have already seen for this message, is The Role of a Shepherd. Please stand with me. For the reading of God's Word, follow along as I read verses 1 through 3 out of 1 Peter chapter 5. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd, The flock of God among you, exercising oversight not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. You may be seated. Well, several of us men are on wednesday mornings are going through a, a book study uh, the author dr martin lloyd jones and his book spiritual depression in that book he warned against the dangers of searching for artificial stimulants within your christian walk unfortunately this type of pragmatic approach to just christianity in general far too often has permeated leadership circles within the universal church for over 177 years. This church has stood against a man-centered approach to leadership within the church. Nevertheless, as the church at Galatia was reminded to not become discouraged in doing good. Let us, that would be my challenge to myself as well as all of us, strive to continually be committed to the fidelity of the scriptures alone as our marker for how we live and how we operate. As we all consider our Christian lives, even leaders included, The absolute headship of Christ over his local church is the pinnacle foundation stone. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 22 reads, And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. Christ is the head. With that truth, we can rest. However, have any of us began to lose confidence in the state of the church as a whole, given the current climate that we live and operate in? I believe wholeheartedly in many respects as depravity continues to flourish, as truth is perverted, as it inundates our culture, from a human perspective, much of that flows forth from a neglect of biblical leadership within the church. However, let us never forget that we can trust Matthew sixteen eighteen, That great promise that Christ is building His church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Amen. With that said, our Lord, in building His church, is calling specific men to play a role as a means in leading that church. Men who understand Christ's headship, which in turn drives them to lead in a manner as a simple steward, a servant of what God is calling of them as laypersons who desire to grow in grace. Hebrews 13, 17 gives some insight concerning one's commitment. And that verse states, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Now, unfortunately, this verse has been taken by some men over the years and abused and used to take advantage of good people. And this is a travesty. Of the highest degree against Christ and against His church, which He shed His precious blood for. Notwithstanding, in order for the church to obey and submit to the leadership that God has called, she must have a proper understanding of what is the responsibility of that leadership. That's our goal this morning. To answer the question, what is the role of church leadership? I want us to look at three primary roles. Which will answer that question. In life, it's it's critical to understand the responsibilities and the commitments of those in whom we've been called to submit to. Husbands with wives workers with managers, parents with children, coaches with players. I smile because of the grace of God over many years. I've had the privilege of being a coach and a trainer, whether it be in the martial arts or soccer, many different sports. As that coach, at least in my experience, and I know for many of you who coach, you understand this. A coach always desires that his players, his team, understand what his commitment is to them. What his responsibility is to them. Not just what he requires of his players. As your pastor, that's my hope in this message here today, that you would know what the Bible places as a commitment on shepherds when it comes to guiding the flock. What's more, that understanding would lead us to greater levels of unity in mission for the glory of God. Now, that said, the first role of biblical church leadership is to feed the sheep. Now, before we unpack this feeding of the sheep, I need to define three terms that the Bible utilizes for church leadership. Your Bibles are already open. The first Peter chapter five verses 1 through 3, in these verses, you will see either the word or a form of three different descriptions of how the Bible refers to leadership, and that is elder, shepherd, and overseer. Without doing a deep dive, and hopefully in the future, that could be something that we would be able to do. It's important for us to understand that these terms actually comprise the same office, the same man, yet with unique and different responsibilities. For example, elder refers to the nature of the office and how one leads. Oversight comes from the word overseer. Or some translations will utilize the word bishop. And that relates to the function of the office. And then the word shepherd, where we get the word pastor, relates to the motive behind the guiding of a flock. All that to say, when seeing these terms, we know them once again to be the same person. As the Bible communicates. In further examining the passage, though, 1 Peter chapter 5, what does the role, that's our question, what does the role of feeding the sheep look like? First and foremost, as you can see, church leadership is called to shepherd the flock. And this is a command to guide them, to lead them. How is it done, though? we continue to see that the shepherd is to take care of the sheep without a motive for personal gain we spoke of those that have used hebrews 13:17 to abuse congregations far too often that ends up being the motive behind a pastor who abuses his responsibility leaders within a church their responsibility to guide the flock as it becomes all about a motive for personal gain. It cannot be the case. What's more, the shepherd is called to feed the sheep with eagerness, not ruling over them with an iron fist, if you will. There's a sense in which this office of biblical leadership is one in which the qualified man earnestly, voluntarily desires to play this role. This is not a task to begrudge, but a calling to treasure. Not to mention, as we previously stated, biblical church leadership, understanding that Christ is the ultimate head of the church, drives men to understand that their role is one of stewardship, service unto the body of Christ. Look at the end of verse 3. States, not lording it over those allotted to your charge. Even in those words, there's an inherent lack of ownership. And what's been given to the under-shepherds the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ himself, has assigned that role as a servant. This has always been the commitment here at MCC, and by the grace of God, it will continue to be the case. I ask of you to pray that that would be the case. Additionally, it's this time, of stewardship perspective which empowers biblical church leadership to serve in a way that they would be examples to the flock as we see at the end of verse 3 a shepherd who is committed to feeding his sheep where psalm 23 indicates walk with them be with them not only will he guide them but he will be in the fight. They will be in the fight with the flock. Listen. When you're in the weeds, we will wrestle with you in the weeds. When you're riding high, we will ride high along with you. When there's a tear to be shed, there will be a shoulder to cry on. That is the blessed privilege of a shepherd, of a pastor, of an overseer, those in whom God is called to partake in this weighty office of leadership. Well, let's look at two other passages and then touch upon the primary means for this feeding of the sheep. Turn back to the Gospel of John. Chapter 21. Let's take a look at verses 15 through 17. I won't read those verses in their entirety, but this is a tremendous passage indicating how the shepherd is called to feed his sheep. Our Lord, as he's preparing to leave this earth, has this conversation with Peter. And he gives him three commands and what his responsibility, Peter's responsibility, is to the sheep. Jesus says, tend my lambs. Shepherd my sheep. And tend my sheep now these are communicating an ongoing ministry of care shepherding guiding from that leader given directly to peter still in operation for leaders here today and then one turned one book over to the book of acts I want us to look at Acts chapter 6. I will read the first four verses. And this is an incredible, excellent, historical example of how elders came to prioritize the feeding of the sheep. A little situation presented itself in early church history which needed to be addressed in order that the priority of feeding the sheep could flourish. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, read. Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, it is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of of the Word. Did you catch that? This by no means indicates that a leader within the church should not minister to a widow. We just got done seeing that elders are called to lead by example. Nevertheless, the primary means of feeding the sheep was through prayer and the ministry of the word. Unfortunately, in much of modern day Christianity, these two vital elements of church leadership are becoming increasingly neglected. Without a doubt, many would never communicate the words that prayer is of less importance. Let that never be the case. And in, in my experience, that's never the case. However, when it comes to the ministry of the word, far too many churches have began to place less priority upon preaching. Where trends throughout Christianity seek to water down, shorten, and soften the message. The Bible loudly proclaims in 2 Timothy chapter 4, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead and by His appearing and in His kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come where they will not endure sound doctrine But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. Whether it was Jesus himself or the apostles, when they came to feed the sheep, they came to preach the gospel. As for Timothy, as we just read, whatever the timing, in season or out, he was called to reform those who were in error, to reprimand those who were sinning, to nourish and to cultivate those who were flourishing. That was his duty, to preach and to do it with patience and instruction, In a world searching for more and more artificial stimulants, MCC's commitment to you, leadership wise, no matter what, will be to preach the word. Even throughout the annals of church history, when we see the greatest of all revivals, We see Holy Spirit, passion-inspired preaching that reaches deep down into your soul and drives you to the foot of the cross. The second role for church leadership is number two, to heal the sheep. Heal the sheep. Turn with me. Over to the book of James after Hebrews. James chapter five, verses fourteen and fifteen. James five, verses fourteen and fifteen reads. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Over the years, this passage has been commonly misconstrued as speaking to a physical ailment this is not the case as it actually refers to a spiritual condition the word sick could literally be translated as weak to be weak not to mention verses 15 and 16 as you can see within the text contextually demonstrate the spiritual focus of the passage, the command and the emphasis of the passage is the prayer. Although the secondary verb, anointing, is important as well. or What are we to make of it, though? If this is not physical in its context. This is not the Greek word used for a ceremonial, physical healing. But it's a word that's used more in bestowing honor. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, verse 38, we see an example of this. And how Jesus' feet were anointed, bestowing of honor. So, we're beginning to see the role of healing the sheep through the command to pray for spiritual restoration. The next verse, as you can even see, goes on to say that confession and prayer brings about this spiritual healing. As the shepherd is called to feed his sheep, he is also called to heal the sheep through the power of prayer. Of course, nothing to do with the power of prayer as we've examined even in the past surrounding some charismatic doctrine that would say that men have the power of healing in their hands. However, what it does communicate is that healing found in a shepherd committed to pray without ceasing for his people is powerful indeed it's like an antibiotic ointment that mends an open wound such is the prayer a spiritual balm of healing if you will by elders committed, leaders in a church committed to pray for their people to intercede on behalf of their people that said Beloved, as the passage indicates, never forget that we are in this fight with you. Call upon me. Call upon the leaders of this church to serve you in your time of need. That is what we've been called to do when it comes to spiritual restoration and healing the sheep any pastor, any leader within a local church worth his salt will live that out and serve as an example as we looked at in 1 Peter chapter 5. We're in this fight together no matter what you're going through. Let's look at two other passages before moving to our final role. Turn back to Galatians. Galatians, Ephesians, Ephesians, Philippians, Galatians chapter six. I'll read verse one. Tremendous passage for us, continuing to shed light on the truth of the pastor, of the leader's role within the local church to heal the sheep. It's a wonderful passage, even when it comes to the, the topic of biblical counseling. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, it reads, now Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. And continuing with this spiritual condition and the restoration that is needed, Paul calls upon those who are spiritual to play this role here to help to heal the sheep this word spiritual along with the context can be understand in a sense, can understood in the sense understood in the sense of spiritual maturity now concerning that spiritual maturity this is one of the biggest distinctions that Scripture articulates for those who have been called to lead within a church. You don't need to turn there. We will go to it, but not now. Titus chapter 1, verse 9, speaking about the qualifications of biblical local church leadership, states, holding fast the faithful word which is in accordance with the teaching, so that he will be able both to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. Church leadership must be equipped to heal the sheep by the way of themselves being grounded in truth, in doctrine, in order that they're more equipped to feed and to heal the sheep. In addition, as we've seen several times now, They're called to restore in a spirit of gentleness. Does this not flow forth perfectly from this idea of stewardship and servanthood? That that leader is not called to lead with an iron fist, lording it over people, but he's called to be patient, humble, gentle as he guides the sheep. What does this healing practically look like, though? Perhaps the words of that great Psalm 23 provide the best illustration for us. Listen to the first four verses. How sweet it is. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Those words are so sweet and precious to us as we think of the comfort that our chief shepherd has for us. In verse 2, we see the spiritual rest that's provided. In verse 3, we see the restoration through the calling of turning back. And then in verse 4, we see this deep intimacy between the Lord and the Lord. And his people. In John chapter 10. Jesus said. My sheep hear me. I know them. And they follow me. As the chief shepherd. Christ comforts. Restores. And heals us. Through the intimate presence. Of his spirit. As for his under shepherds leaders within the local church. He's calling them to restore the sheep in a spirit of gentleness. A spirit that can only come through intimate, personal relationships. My friends, MCC's commitment to you is that our leadership would strive to know you more intimately as the shepherd knows his sheep. As your pastor, that's my commitment to you. Likewise, I have one request of you as well would you allow us to do so? God is calling us in a reciprocal relationship to know each other more intimately. Even as we stated the purpose in the beginning of this message, in order that we might be more united in mission for the cause of Christ. We are, as a leadership team here, committed to feed you and to heal you by God's grace for his glory. Let's turn our attention to the final role and answer to the question, what is the role of church leadership? Number three, to protect the sheep the sheep. We mentioned this verse earlier, but now let's turn to Titus chapter one. After Timothy, the Timothys. Titus chapter one, verse nine. We'll read this verse again as it's critical for us in understanding what our responsibility and commitment to you Titus chapter 1, verse 9. We mentioned this when it comes to healing the sheep. This verse is so appropriate when it comes to protecting the sheep as well. Titus 1, 9 reads, Holding fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching, so that he will be able both to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. We cannot say this enough. But the role of a shepherd will be steadfastly linked and committed to the scriptures. To the inerrant, inspired, only objective source that we live and operate from, the word of God. To quote Luther again, as I mentioned several weeks ago, as he committed, communicated his commitment to protect the church from the dangers of Roman Catholicism. He stated, I did nothing. The Word did everything. In the Greek text of Titus 1-9, according with the teaching, is actually written first. Based upon the teaching of that word, what was the shepherd to do? And I love this. He was to hold fast, the faithful word. The faithful pastor, shepherd, leader within a church. clings to the word, if I can use this picture, like a tick on a dog. All the while absorbing every ounce of vigor from its pages of life. For it's in that divine energy that the man of God earnestly finds strength to encourage incorrect doctrine and to refute those who contradict. Herein lies our connection to this role to protect the sheep. What is one of the primary roles of the shepherd? Of any biblical leader within a church? He must be prepared in the word in order that he might bring to light and expose dangers to the flock. Listen to the words of our chief shepherd when it comes to guarding and protecting the flock. From John chapter 10, verses 11 and 13. You don't need to turn there. Our Lord and Savior himself, the chief shepherd, states, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolves coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and not concerned about the sheep. What a travesty. Beloved. I can tell you that the leadership of this church is concerned about the sheep. Is concerned for truth. Is concerned to protect, guide, and heal you. Even within the context of Titus. Look at the next two verses. Which further demonstrates the need to refute those who contradict, to protect the sheep. For there are many rebellious men, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision. Who must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families, teaching things they should not teach for the sake of sordid gain I want you to know my brothers my sisters in Christ fellow soldiers workers in Christ we will not run from wolves leadership wise We will expose them, shine a light on them in order that we might protect the flock like any good shepherd would do for his flock. Let's briefly examine one other passage before we close. Turn back to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 20. This is often a verse cited as a key truth when it comes to leaders and their responsibility within the local church our responsibility for you here at Miriam Christian Chapel. Acts chapter 20, verse 28, reads, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood couple observations for us to make. This is a command to continually keep alert for all the flock, to be on guard for the precious flock. As overseers, the Holy Spirit has called specific men to protect the sheep Oh, we know, wolves are on the prowl. The great adversary of ours is seeking to kill and destroy you. Like the men of Nehemiah's day, shepherds would be wise to carry the sword in one hand And build with the other. Guarding their flock as they move forward together in mission. United in one spirit. Why does this call of leadership come with such weighty responsibility? Weighty it is. Privilege it is because this is the same church that our Lord and Savior shed his precious blood to redeem. In the ultimate demonstration of protection, the good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. John 10:11 A demonstration That spared you and me from the wrath of God. A protection like no other. Why has God called his under shepherds to follow this example? Look again at the following context of Acts chapter 20. Verses 29 and 30. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. share with you and I'm just thinking of it even now in Jude's words from the same perspective Jude 1:4. you don't need to turn there he states for certain persons have crept in unnoticed those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Wolves are out there. Scary thought, perhaps, indeed. But Matthew 16, 18 still rings loud and clear, does it not? Our Lord is building His church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. But once again, let that never serve for us to be complacent in our diligence to be found faithful. Leaders, laypersons alike. Leaders out here as well. In our message next week, I'll tackle one specific area of protection that I believe is vital, given our cultural state as well, when it comes to the protection of the sheep, and when it comes to leadership, as we strive to be guarded against wolves, against perversions of the truth. So I began with the statement that it all begins with leadership. Christ is our leader. We don't leave a message considering the wolves, considering those that have crept in, fearful. We understand our adversary. We know the challenges and the trials that are before us. But we go forward in victory and in faith and in trust. Do you desire to be found faithful? I know you do. As your pastor, I pledge to you our devotion plurality when it comes to leadership here at Miriam Christian Chapel that we will be found faithful to feed the sheep to heal the sheep and to protect the sheep bow with me in prayer Lord Jesus, we thank you for your precious church. You laid down your life for your people, the sheep, the church of God. You called us to be a part of that people, Lord. Lord, as called unworthy servants, would you empower us by the Holy Spirit that indwells us to be found faithful? loving our brothers and sisters in Christ intimately as the shepherd guides and walks with his sheep. Lord, preserve this church. Protect this church, Miriam Christian Chapel. We know that you will preserve and protect and bring to victory finally your universal church. We do not take for granted our responsibility here in the little town of Miriam, Indiana, to be found faithful. For your glory and your honor, in Jesus' name we pray.